0: Welcome to episode 241 of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Kriegsman, an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. I want to thank Livestream for underwriting this episode. And if you go to livestream.com slash CXO talk, they will give you a discount on their programs on their their plans, I should say. We have such an amazing and interesting show today. We're speaking about women in technology, and we're talking with four C-level female executives from Workday. And I'm I'm so thrilled and so thankful for these four women for being here. And so we are speaking with Ashley Goldsmith who is the chief people officer at Workday, Diana McKenzie who is the chief information officer, Christine Safalo who is the chief marketing officer, and Robin Cisco who is the chief financial officer. And I'll just ask each one of them to briefly introduce themselves and describe your role and very briefly how did you get there? And let's start with you, Ashley. Welcome to CXO Talk.
1: Thank you. Um, So my job some people would call uh, human resources, but at Workday we characterize it as people, purpose, and places, which means I have responsibility for the traditional HR things like compensation, employee development, but also areas like employee communications, philanthropy, and our workplace facilities. And so my focus is all about the employee experience, making sure that we are creating a great experience so that we innovate and provide terrific uh, customer service. The way I got here, I fell in love with Workday long before I got here, actually at least a few years. Um, At my prior company, we were going through um, a selection process. It was time for us to choose a new human capital management system and um, through that process, Workday was one of the contenders, so of course you get to know a little bit about it, and I was not only blown away by the technology, which was incredibly impressive, but I got to know the people, and I was so impressed, um, both so humble and so smart. So a few years later, when I got a call about Workday, I knew it was just something I had to pursue.
0: Fantastic, so from customer to chief people officer, and sitting next to Ashley is Christine Safalo, who's the Chief Marketing Officer at Workday. and Christine, you and I have known each other for quite some years now. Welcome to CXO Talk.
2: Thank you, Thank you for having us. It's been a long. Um, great relationship, Michael. So again, really appreciate you having us here today. Um, I'm Christine, as you said, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer. My job is to generate awareness and build demand for Workday's products all around the world, um, and just as important, of course, is to, t- uh, to hire and develop great talent to bring our marketing organization into the future. Um, the way I know you, Michael, is uh, I actually started in communications. I've been in enterprise software for about 15 years, and most of that time I spent um, in public relations and analyst relations, and as most marketers know, over time, Marketing um, and communications have sort of merged and become an even larger and more measurable part of the business. And so, over um, the past two years, I've been overseeing the whole marketing and communications organization here.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you uh, again for joining us. And Robin Cisco, the Chief Financial Officer of Workday, welcome to CXO Talk.
3: Thank you. Thrilled to be here. Uh, My path to Workday was somewhat similar to Ashley. I was at a customer of Workday's and just really enamored by the Workday technology Um, and so ended up coming here five years ago as chief accounting officer and was fortunate enough to be appointed CFO approximately a year ago. I'm responsible for all of the financial functions within Workday, which includes running on all of our own financial systems within Workday as well, and I really came to Workday with a fairly long history of finance and accounting background, and had been in technology mostly in the Bay Area for the, the good part of my 30 year career, and uh, now have thrilled to have been here for five years.
0: Welcome to CXO Talk. And finally, Diana McKenzie is the Chief Information Officer at Workday. Welcome, Diana.
4: Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I have responsibility for all of the core IT systems at Workday. We also have a team that we call WOW. It stands for Workday on Workday, and their mission is to help Workday be our first and best customer of our products, and I have responsibility for that team as well. And lastly, I have responsibility for the security that we provide to our company around corporate security as well as for our platform. I came to Workday also as a customer, although um, I had exposure to Workday and I watched Workday's trajectory over the years and would find myself in an envious position when I was with other CIOs that told me they were going to Workday. So I was pretty excited when I had the opportunity to do that with my past company, where I was the CIO for five years, 30 years in life sciences, and when the opportunity to come work for one of the best software companies in the world arose, um, I said yes.
0: Fantastic. Well, this is a very unusual show because, of course, we've had many C-level executives on on this show. Including Anil you your CEO, but this is the first time that we have had four C-level execs, and so I think we should talk about collaboration. You're you're all here, and obviously working together, and and so describe maybe the the nature of the collaboration and how you think about your roles intersecting each other. Uh, who would, who would like to jump in?
3: So why don't I start with that one? Even though, as you heard, we run very different and distinct functions within Workday, the one common thread that ties us all together is people. Right? And everything that we all do impacts the employee population here at Workday and, and all of our people. And so due to that common thread, we have to really be in lockstep on any decisions that we make And that really drives a lot of the collaboration between our teams. So one example of that would be, if she wants to roll out a new employee program or take a look at changes to our compensation structure, she and I will work very closely together around what's that going to look like what's that going to cost workday can we afford to do it what's the timing of that or are there some trade offs that we maybe need to look at in order to meet our financial commitments for the year but still be able to embrace some of the programs that she wants to roll out
1: exactly and when it's using that example um, not only is it a great partnership with robin but when you're making changes to something like a benefit or compensation program also, the partnership with uh, with Diana's team is critical because you do need typically system um, changes to support what you're doing. And then also with uh, Christine's organization because you're doing these great things, you want to be communicating them both really well internally, but also probably externally with what could be future candidates and employees.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, Michael, even though we all spend a lot of time with our own team, so Ashley, obviously, with people and purpose, et cetera, you know, and I look at us as representatives of our organization who are joining together to, join, to drive the business forward. And so, of course, there are natural intersections, like I obviously work a lot with Diana, um, I have a marketing technology team, and I work a lot with um, both Ashley and Robin, particularly um, in marketing. I always say, you know, who you are on the inside is who you are on the outside. And at work, our core values are extremely important, and so I partner very closely with Ashley on that part of the business. The other thing that I really want to take a moment is, Michael, you know um, who uh, the key stakeholders for Workday uh, Solutions are, and I'm sitting right here with my internal clients, the CFO, the (laughs) the CHRO, and the CIO. Um, They work very closely with marketing um, to tell our story of being first and best on our own Workday applications, but also to help marketing understand how we can take uh, customer stories how we can explain how to drive more value back into our our customers.
0: This is a um, this particular issue of collaboration. Many organizations find challenging. And so, how do you ensure? What are the steps that you take, or how do you ensure that you have uh, close communication? And at the same time, what are the boundaries? How do you establish boundaries?
1: You know, I think it's it's. Um less around establishing boundaries and more around ensuring that we have aligned priorities and um, you know we often have priorities that are completely aligned they're set from the the get-go and then there's other things that come up that there may be times where our priorities need to be aligned and I think one of the things that helps us stay on course really easily here at Workday is because we do have strong core values and we just take it right back to what's best for the employee and the customer and asking ourselves that question, it makes it typically very easy to see what the clear answer is and how we prioritize and therefore how we make sure we're collaborating on the right things moving forward for the business.
4: And I would I would build on that. I, I believe that in the relationship that we have there there are clearly Um, activities that exist within each of our respective functional areas that that we work together individually on. But at the same time, when we think about what's happening as every company becomes a a software company or a digital company, there's this element of um, information explosion that's occurred and the the benefit there with what's happening in the technology space is we're now in a position to take those boundaries down between each of us Mm -hmm. and we are spending a lot more time working together to understand what are the important decisions we need to be making as a company and how do we tap into the rich uh, wealth of data that we have as an asset and use that in in a much more um i don't know much more creative fashion to help us to help us move the company forward and we do that all very working very closely together. And
3: I see that as one area that's really changed over the course of my career. If I think back even you know, 8, 10 years ago, my conversations with somebody in Ashley's role would have been all around the data and is it right, who's got the best data, is it HR because they're responsible for the recruiting, onboarding and offboarding process, or is it finance because we run payroll and we know who's being paid. And I can recall sitting in a room with other CHROs having debates about what the, whose data is right and in the end you don't end up trusting it and then you don't have the basis for which to make really solid good decisions about your business and so we've just taken those conversations completely out of the picture and today I'll sit in a room with Ashie, we'll pull up the workday HR system and we'll look at live headcount data and we can really talk about what's it telling us and what do we need to do differently as a company to address whatever the data is telling us and the debates of whether the data is accurate or not are really gone
1: and it does change the nature particularly I think Robin of, of our jobs and our team's jobs because what we would have done eight or ten years ago would be actually a lot of data dissemination right our teams would have been gathering generating data and then disseminating it to the right people who needed to know it and and now with technology that data is already in their hands it's on their phone it's at their fingertips and so now instead of data being the, the topic. Instead, we were talking about what are the things we need to do as a result of what we're seeing in that information. I think it's, it's, it is a powerful shift.
0: And we have a question from Twitter, from Alan Berkson. And I want to remind everybody that this is a great opportunity to ask questions and use the hashtag CXO Talk. So Alan Berkson is asking about uh, how do you collaborate and what kind of tools do you use? Are there specific collaboration tools he wants to know?
2: Well, naturally, we use Workday, and (laughs) I I mean, you know, in all seriousness, I think what you heard, um, you know, from the prior question is that we actually all do business planning together. So, it really does, you know, keep us all on the same page. Um, We, you know, it's really important for prioritization. Um, I don't know, Diana, if you want to talk more about collaboration tools outside of Workday.
4: Yeah, I would, you know, we we have a very um face-to-face oriented culture here and that that doesn't mean that we have to be in the same room with one another it does mean that we are very rich on video conferencing and so we use tools that make it possible for us to connect with one another regardless of whether we're in the same building or in the same state or in the same country for that matter it's also a very open culture of communication so it's there isn't um, there isn't a place anywhere in the company where if you want to reach out and talk to someone and get some information there isn't an opportunity to just reach out to that person and make it happen um, like a lot of other companies we struggle with the number of these tools that have continued to proliferate that are out there and we're working to tackle that and that can always be a great conversation to have at some other point about how we're going about doing that.
0: You mentioned, uh, somebody mentioned earlier, and there was some discussion about the customer, about the, using the the customer and employees as the reference point. Can you elaborate more on how you think about customers and, and employees and why that's so important? Yeah, uh,
1: employees are our number one core value, and our... Um, are our founders said this from the beginning, which is happy customers equal, uh, excuse me, happy employees equal happy customers. And we believe that to our core, which is why employees are number one value and customers are number two. And so what we all do is think about how we are creating an experience for our employees where they feel appreciated, valued, where there's a sense of belonging no matter who they are, where they came from, and that they feel like what they do matters because every single person at Workday, what they do does matter. And if we can create that environment where they can do their best work, then we know that they will innovate and we know that they will provide exceptional service. And so that's why this notion of really putting employees at the forefront for us matters so much.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, the core values just keep us really centered. You know, when I think about am I on the right track, I always go back to those core values to make sure that we're really, um, you know, focused in the right places, Michael, and making sure that we're putting our investments in the right place. You know, from a customer standpoint, I have the opportunity, of course, to tell great customer stories every day, but all of our jobs um, is to always enhance and deliver the best customer experience possible.
3: I think one of the things that makes us a little unique on that front is that you know, we've talked about this a little before. We are using all of our own products, and so every employee in Workday at Workday uses Workday, whether it be from a you know HR perspective, or I want to change my payroll tax deductions, or I'm submitting an expense report. And so every employee has a connection to the customer in terms of the product, right? And I think that makes it very unique, and that any interaction between employees and customers have this commonality where you know we really understand what our customers are seeing when they're using our products because we're living that lifestyle as well. Yeah, that's right.
4: And I would just add one more and that is we're all very customer facing in our roles so we have responsibility for running our own areas of the business but we also have responsibility for interacting with customers and that gives us a tremendous opportunity to take the feedback that we hear from them and bring it back in and use it to influence the the direction of our product in addition to the experience that we have internally.
2: And then Michael, I just want to <laughs> I just want to <laughs> highlight one more core value. We're very uh, core value focused here at Workday and um, I think, you know, Dave and Anil did a great job when they founded the company setting out those core values and making sure that employees are always extremely focused on them. But I, I would also just highlight integrity. Um, we have six values, but as we talk about customers and employees, I always feel like integrity is extremely important as Robin said. We all have very customer-facing roles and of course employee-facing roles. Um, as well, and I think that that's a value that can always we can always check against to make sure that we're always on the same page and delivering the right experience, um, which is authentic back to our. our-
0: so these core values have uh, a, a practical import, import for you. It's not just they're not not just abstract. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, even so, uh, huge love of our core values. We all are, but even um, from a marketing execution standpoint we are always um, looking back at a core value, uh, fun. You know, Is this marketing, are we delivering a fun experience? Hopefully you've experienced that in some of your interactions with Workday. Hopefully somebody's seen an advertisement and maybe laughed. Um, we're constantly checking back the core. I can't express how important the That's values great. are.
3: I, I think the values actually really drive our priorities too. So when we, if we get to a point where we need to decide between two things that may be conflicting or mutually exclusive, the conversation really quickly turns back to, What's the right thing for our employees? What's mm-hmm. the right thing for our customers? You know, what's the path of you know greater integrity if you know if there's a difference there? And and so that really they help us even with day-to-day decision making as yeah. well.
1: And they it is it's the first company I've been in where they are so much more than a poster on a wall, um, or something that you hear about in orientation. I mean, they they really are fundamental and core to who we are, and they they are present in every decision we make.
2: A few a few years ago, I um, participated in a dinner for uh, a bunch of young women who were on a college tour in the Bay Area, and the really common question that I received uh, from these soon-to-be college graduates was, "I have so many options. How do I know if the company that I'm looking at is right for me?" And my advice back was, when if you know, ask them what their core va- values are, and if you get a consistent answer throughout your interactions with the business, then you know those core values are real. And if those core values align with who you are, then it's probably a great decision. That's good advice. Good answer.
0: We have another question from Twitter. You're all leading organizations, and so, of course, staff development is key to what you do. And Angie Reese on Twitter is asking, how do you empower your staff to raise the bar,
2: Ashley's team does an amazing, ta- uh, amazing, <laughs> amazing job with talent development at Workday, and so I would love to, you know, give you huge props for that. Every people manager at Workday has gone through a special training that was developed um, over the last year, and I can't say enough great things about that. In addition, um, we actually on the marketing t- team did 360s for all of our managers and we aggregated the results. And based on the areas that we saw in aggregate that our managers needed to improve on, Ashley's amazing purpose team um, went out and developed custom training that they delivered to the marketing organization and then created learning modules um, that are now available, I believe, through Workday Learning that can now be shared with others at the company. So I can't say enough. I think uh, Ashley's team does an amazing job. I'm sure you guys have. Lots of examples.
4: I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, just in, in the last year, we've run close to 1,000 of our managers at Workday through um, a two-day experience where the members of the senior management team were the ones that actually delivered the curriculum. And the curriculum was very specific to the core values conversation we were just having, which is how do you, how do you as a leader? be a great leader but also be a great manager and it means you have to understand who your people are you have to understand what motivates them you have to understand where they want to take their careers you have to spend time with them you have to actually want to be a manager and for us to allocate that amount of time to that number of people to focus specifically on what does it take to be a good manager um, I don't think I've ever seen another company do that and the the um, the response throughout the organization has been very supportive of that because i think our our workmate population feels like they've got a management team that really cares about them deeply and what we need to do in order for them to feel like they're maximizing their potential here
3: we also have a culture and a history of allowing people to really move around in different areas of the company and i think that's something that's a little Unique Uh, Managers don't try to trap their employees in their teams. They really allow them to go out and explore other areas of the company, which ends up being a really great thing for Workday because then they develop as employees. They get to learn other parts of the company. Um, And so that has been something that has really been built over time. And now when employees come in that are new and they see this mobility, it's open to them, right? It's a very new experience for them, and and we've got a lot of great examples of people either moving overseas to take new opportunities or moving within different teams. I've lost people in accounting to our product teams, to our <laughs> customer support teams, and so it's really fun to see this you know, career, the career opportunities here which are really vastly different from what a lot of these employees have experienced in, in their past companies.
1: And I do think the underpinning of all that still goes back to our values because if you do have a belief that your what your employees do really matters and that every single person, no matter whether they're an intern or an executive, that what they do really matters, then you know, empowerment is part of that. You, you have to allow someone some empowerment in order to contribute. And so all of these, these things that we've talked about are the supporting mechanisms to help that flourish inside a growing company.
0: So it sounds like uh, that these values do serve as practical reference points when you're making decisions and having to choose between A, B, and C. We have another question from Twitter, and uh, folks on Twitter, again, I want to remind you that we're speaking with four C-level execs from Workday who all happen to be women, and you can ask your questions directly using the hashtag CXOTalk. And we have another really interesting question from Arsalan Khan, and he's saying, frontline employees have the best opportunity to learn and innovate from, to innovate by learning from customers. And how do you encourage that frontline employee behavior to happen, to learn from customers? I
1: guess I'll throw out that I think this kind of gets back to what we were saying before, that everybody has the opportunity to make a difference. Everybody has the opportunity to share. I think if you look at across our orgs, again, particularly Diana and Robbins and mine, um, and then you go into product and you go into development, you have people who are so intimately involved with the product Um, And all of us are out in the communities, right? We're with our peers, that's a natural part of being in in, um, the workforce. So we are always with customers or potential customers. And so there's always a source of good information back. And I think being in a, Company like ours, where we do have a culture that is low hierarchy, um, as Diana said, anybody can reach out to anyone and share an idea. Um, we have a lot of forums to do that from just the easy pick up the phone or send a note. Um, but others, and so I think that it's just part of who we are to allow people to share their feedback, um, share an idea, no matter how big or how small. And um, you'd be surprised how many things just get jumped on that are, you know, a, a Random idea that's tossed out that suddenly seems like something really good that we pursue.
3: We also actively solicit employee feedback. Of right? course,
1: yeah, and through various channels, um,
3: Ashley's team often runs that, whether it be your short surveys or an email inbox to you know, generate ideas around a specific topic, and then we action those. And so we've got a history of showing our employees that hey if you have an idea and it's something that's going to be good for workday, we're gonna we're gonna action it. Yeah this notion of
4: first and best is um, is something that everyone in the company owns it's not limited just to the people that work in our respective organizations or that work in the product organization we have we have employees who think about that every day and it's it's a great way for them to put themselves in the position of a customer or even when they're out talking to customers and it happens it happens often i i get stories all the time of employees who find themselves in a conversation with the customer because they've worn a workday hat or a workday t-shirt and before they know it they're having a discussion about our product and all, all oftentimes that's um, a great very positive conversation and if there's ever a time where it's a conversation about boy it would be great if you guys could do x y or z the opportunity for them to bring that feedback back into the system is wide open. Yeah,
1: I actually got an email from someone just this week, an employee, someone who I haven't met, um, who was out the prior weekend with some friends that were customers, and they came up with some interesting ideas for the product, and so he said, I just want to pass them along to you, and they're actually really good ideas, so I I also have shared them onward. I think there's a couple things there that we could pursue, so yeah, they come from lots of spaces.
0: Let's uh, jump again to another question from Twitter. I'm glad there's a very active Twitter conversation. And Gus Beckdash asks. He says uh, managers in technology complain about not having enough qualified women. He hires by ability and, have, and has never had that problem. And so you're all you're all female executives, and so. How do we spread the word and how do we encourage women in technology, which is uh, Gus's question?
3: I think that it's it's a difficult question to answer, obviously. And, you know, I've been in finance in mostly here in Silicon Valley for the last 30 years. And, you know, I've seen a, a pretty good shift over time. Uh, but I, I do think that it comes down to the culture of the company and whether or not that culture is one of – hiring and promoting the right people for the job regardless of gender or diversity and background or anything else Um, and once you have shown that you are that type of company then you're going to start attracting more women right and so I think that we're in our roles here because we were the best people for the job not because we were women but because we were the most qualified yet people looking from the outside in can look at Workday and say well I know that I can have a successful career there as a woman because Workday has proven that they promote on ability and don't have gender bias um, and other types of biases so but it it can be difficult I certainly over my career have worked for companies where I did not feel like I had the opportunities that I wanted and you know that's a hard battle to fight one person trying to change a company culture and so I do think sometimes it's really important to realize that maybe maybe you need to leave your company to really find the opportunities that that you're looking for and you know that was certainly the path that I ended up having to take a few times in my career
1: on the shifting that concept of advice um, for for women um, I I mean it's true in certain uh, particular functions within any organization there are some that there are fewer qualified um, women than men no doubt about it. So that, that yes, the pool may be smaller, but to, to that person, to Gus's question, I don't think that means we can't still have a lot more women in the workforce. And in terms of advice to, to women, um, you know, there's data that's shown that uh, the power of your network, the people who have a broad network and deep network across their organization or across their industry have far greater success, they will move up more quickly, they will ultimately be more successful in their career. And I think when you find yourself in the minority in an organization, whatever reason that is, you're in the minority, whether female or otherwise, you could find yourself with a much smaller network just sort of naturally happening. And I think... THAT WE CAN TAKE IT UPON OURSELVES TO PROACTIVELY BUILD THAT NETWORK BY FORMING RELATIONSHIPS, REACHING OUT, AND JUST BEING MUCH, MUCH MORE INTENTIONAL WITH OUR NETWORK. Um, AND NOT JUST UP. I THINK IT'S A NATURAL ASSUMPTION TO THINK, YOU KNOW, I NEED TO GET TO KNOW THE PEOPLE ABOVE ME SO THAT THEY WILL BE SPONSORING ME. YES, THERE'S no CERTAINLY NO HARM IN THAT. but peers, even that newest intern, uh, you never know who will play an important role in your professional life over time. So I think network expansion is something really important.
4: And and I would add that that we can all help each other as well. Um, I I find in a number of forums that I attend, I'm one of two or three women in a group maybe of 30, 40 CIOs, and and one of the things that, that we've all... Um, started to do more is to proactively seek out other women that we know that would be great for that forum and and work hard to extend the invitation so that there is more diversity around the table. And when there's more diversity around the table, the conversation changes and the opportunity for inclusion becomes greater. So I think there's an element of that that we we can take on as well.
0: And certainly inside IT, which is a technology function, there are far fewer women than in other areas of the company, uh, of companies in general. So at Workday, how did you end up having four female C-level executives? Did this Was this by design? Did it just happen naturally, organically? How did, how did this happen?
1: So Workday's culture um, and values really set the stage for us to have um, a, a very diverse uh, group of executives. So we didn't set out with a goal, you know, we're going to have a certain percentage of women on our executive team, but it is a priority for us to have a sense of belonging for every single person. We are a company that emphasizes contribution wildly over um, a person's gender or their race or any other characteristic. And so when you have that fundamental, then it makes it much more likely that you are going to select whomever is the right person for the job, and in our case, um, it. So happens that we have uh, we do have a lot of women in the executive team, but it's not just there. I mean, if you look across Workday, we have um, we have great diversity in women throughout. If you look at even in places that are traditionally male, product management, engineering, and development, um, we have really great female leaders and and employees throughout those orgs. So it. Um, it is something that I do think if you get some, some diversity at the top, uh, that will be very attractive to others who will say, yes, if I work there, I, I could see myself there because I know that people like me can get ahead. So if I could just
4: build on that, when I, when I
1: came to Workday for the first
4: set of conversations, the very first person I met with was Ashley, and I was so taken with her. And um, I had the opportunity then to get connected with Robin and she was so energetic and positive about the company and about the values of the company. I knew that the company was ranked very well in the Fortune 100 from a diversity perspective. And, and once I joined, I was attracted for that reason. I didn't get a chance to meet Christine, but I would have loved to have done that before I showed up. I was um, with you,
2: Michael, Workday, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, she was.
4: You know, but what, what, I, what I tell people now, and it's the honest truth, is when the senior management team takes a break, there is a line in the women's restroom. And I just don't know how many other senior leadership teams have that vignette to go along with them.
2: Yeah, so I think, Michael, it's worth noting that though, you know, there are four of us here, the senior management team is quite a bit broader than just the faces you see on Workday.com, for example, and there are a number of amazing women that the next time we sit down and talk to you, we'd love to bring them along. And- have that conversa- a broader conversation
0: as well. Sure, and I, I know some of those folks, folks like Leanne and others, uh, and my my colleague Elizabeth Shaw, who's uh, tweeting at the moment, made just uh, retweeted a or tweeted a comment from Robin where she says these women aren't in CxO positions because they're women, but because they deserve it, which gets back to that merit based. Approach you were talking about earlier. We have uh, another question from Twitter, and a very interesting one from Gabriella Angiolillo, who is a workday employee who Hi, is uh,
3: <laughs>
0: who I also have known for quite a while. And uh, Gabriella is asking about mentorship, and so what's the role of finding mentors and? How does somebody find a mentor, the right one, and what needs to be done? And talk about, talk about mentorship, if you would, please. You
1: guys want me to start? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I think mentorship can be incredibly important in a person's career, any person's career. Um, and so, Gabriella, for you in particular, um, leveraging some of the, the resources we have here at Workday, um, Workday's functionality has the opportunity to identify mentors and reach out to people and um, establish a relationship with them through the technology. Um, but for anyone, I think you know the, a big piece of it is just understanding what it is that you are seeking in your mentor relationship, what are the areas that you want to develop in or places you want to get advice? And then targeting somebody who you think will meet those needs and can help with that. And you may not know who it is. You may need to ask your boss, a colleague, a peer, um, but zeroing in on who are a few people that you think would help you with the things that are, are the areas you want to develop. And then just ask. I think. People would be wildly surprised how often you will get a yes even from people quite senior in your organization that you'll get a yes to um, a mentoring relationship because I think I mean we all really do want to help right we all want to see other people grow and succeed Um, so I would say just reach out
2: absolutely and I I personally have several um, several mentor relationships um, with people at workday and um, that I meet with them on a regular basis and um, Answer questions, and they may or may not be on my team. I, I want to just highlight Gabriella for a second. Gabriella, I hope you don't mind, but Gabriella was on the marketing team, and now she's uh, moved into building products for Workday. And Gabriella was kind enough to come back um, to the marketing team and participate participate in a panel that we hosted on people who have, um, you know, made internal mobility moves. And I just think it's great. That, you know, again, another example of someone who has moved from marketing outside and is now building um, product for Workday to come back and talk about those internal career moves. So really proud of you, Gabrielle. Great, great that's time. a really
1: interesting career cool. move, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's
3: great. Yeah.
0: What about inside uh, IT? I'm, I'm just uh, curious about uh, any advice that you might have, Diana, because IT in particular is such a, a male-dominated field. We've had a number of uh, female CIOs on this show and they're all uniformly great, but it's, but they're relatively few. You're relatively a rare breed.
4: Yeah, no, this is definitely a focus area for me and for any other person who's in a role like mine. I, I think the, the statistics show that there's uh, qu- quite a few number of women that are choosing to major in the field of science and technology And they they emerge from the university and and join the ranks, and there's a point where they make a decision for whatever reason um, not to continue. And I think there's an opportunity there to catch some of the women at that stage of their career and make sure they are getting access to the best mentors and the best sponsors and, and making the right decisions. Um, one of the things that uh, that we're doing actually next month is we've um... within within my organization specifically have sponsored a book review of a of a book called the confidence code and it's a it's a it's a very um, good read research-based read on how women sometimes um, don't think about putting themselves forward for that next position because they have a fear that they may not bring everything to it. They may not have all the experience they need to take on that position. And it's how do we how do we help each other um, build the confidence that we need um, to take that leap to say yes when you're asked to do something that you think you may not be completely prepared for um, because that's – in essence, the way you're going to stretch and grow the most, and if you fail, you'll learn from it. and You'll pick yourselves up and you'll keep moving. So I think there's some element of helping women to think differently about how they can push themselves further in this career that will help us to build the ranks in the pool of future leaders and um, CIOs.
0: So it's so I, I'm sure for all of you, it's uh, the the advice has to do both with uh, advice to women as well as to their organization or their company and so what other advice do you do you have uh, maybe the the other three three of you uh, share your your thoughts on what women can do or what companies can do
3: I, I think one of the things that I've noticed over my career is is that we we tend if we're looking at promoting somebody maybe into a role we just got promoted out of we tend to look for people that are going to do the job the same way that we did the job because that's our that's our comfort level and i think that you know the awareness of that bias is really important for leaders and managers to think about because maybe the best person for the job is someone who's actually going to do things completely different from how you did them right and that diversity of thought can be really really important and so you know just to ask everybody to really think about how am i looking at the candidates for a job whether it be an external hire, internal promotion, you know, do I have a unconscious bias to try to find somebody who's like me? And would the company benefit from somebody who's maybe quite different and to just kind of open open your mind uh, for opportunities for people? And maybe it's somebody who's never done that role before. I mean, certainly all of us at one point had to break through the ranks of the the CXO job, and that's not an easy thing to do, but somewhere along the line, someone gave us the opportunity to do a role that we had never done before, and so I think if we can just get managers and leaders out there to think a little differently ab- about that, and that the best person for the role may not be somebody who has already done the role before.
2: And as I was um, you know, preparing for this conversation, Michael, I was actually thinking, what advice would I share, and maybe this is a, a result of Ashley and I working so closely together, but. I actually thought the exact same thing, which is ask, 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 okay. speak up, you know, have confidence, like, you're amazing, like, find a mentor, find a sponsor, I, I look at those as slightly different, um, sometimes it's the same, but I've had great mentors and great sponsors, I'm guessing we all have, and I think those are just all things that, you know, um, are that you can do, and, and they're very hard too, I think. Um, to speak up sometimes is hard, mm-hmm. to be confident is hard, but I think just to remember that and, and have that, that confidence.
1: And just a piece of advice, um, tilting it more toward the organization, um, I think you know most companies do want to have good diversity in their organization, but don't necessarily know exactly how to get there, and it's certainly something that we all um, we all face and i think one of the most important things is just having good data Um, and it does come back to data being so important because it's it goes beyond just knowing what your percentages are and hoping that you can raise those but being really intentional with your data and so for instance um, w- with collaboration with the four of us we talked about what questions do we need to answer about diversity and workday, and then how do we have that data ready for us and so we have diversity dashboards that really speak to what are the common questions and it's 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 what can get into the heart of where you might be losing your diversity so it's What are your promotion rates where does attrition vary within your organization how does pay parity look Um, where are you losing people in the attraction funnel are you getting enough people at the top and they're falling out during the interview phase so if you if you know where you have an issue you really can target your efforts and i think that's where you can look at whether you need to look at blocking bias that may inadvertently exist somewhere or look at better attraction programs once you have the data then it becomes a lot easier to be intentional.
0: We have only a few minutes left. And I wonder whether you can share your thoughts on what is the the value or the benefit? And maybe this is obvious, but maybe not. What are the values and benefits of developing a diverse uh, organization? And at the same time, what are some of the challenges or the stumbling blocks that you've seen organizations face? And I'll ask you to keep your answers relatively short because we only have a few minutes left.
3: So I think that one of the benefits is when you get different points of view and perspectives and people with different backgrounds in a room together, you're going to end up with the best answer you could possibly generate, right? You, you won't have groupthink. You'll have diverse perspectives on a problem and then applying your core values, like what's right for Workday, what's right for the customer, what's right for the employees, then you can come to you know, the, the best solution to a problem that likely nobody would have come to that same conclusion by themselves. And I think that diversity of thought, that diversity of experience, uh, the diversity of background really helps bring all the different perspectives together and you end up with some of the best decisions and best creativity, partic- which is important, particularly in a technology company.
4: I would, I would build on that, that we, we look at our customers and our customers are all very diverse. And by being able to reflect that diversity at the leadership table here and within our organization, it just helps us be better connected to them and to make sure we're truly listening to their needs and their wants and reflecting those in our products as we develop and our communications as we you know, reach out to them about, about what our products are capable of doing.
1: And I think it's really just a a fact. I mean, the the demographics, if you just take the U.S., the demographics of the U.S. are shifting wildly so quickly. I mean, we will be a a country where the minority is the majority in just a matter of years. So companies that don't get this right are going to really struggle to have the talent that they need because diversity is, is part of who we are.
0: And it looks like, Christine Cefalo, you are going to get the last word because we're just about out of time.
1: All right. Well, I was just going to say I have nothing to add.
2: (laughs) I'm so proud to be a part of this team. They said it perfectly. So I have nothing to add. Thank you, Michael.
0: Well, we are out of time. This has been one very, very fast 45 minutes. I would like to thank everybody for watching. And really, I'm very grateful to Workday and to these four amazing women. Ashley Goldsmith, who is the chief people officer at Workday, Diana McKenzie, who is the Chief Information Officer at Workday, Christine Safalo, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Workday, and Robin Cisco, who is the Chief Financial Officer at Workday. And I said before we started broadcasting, we have a lot of chiefs and no Indians here today. Thank you so much. <laughs> and everybody, thank you for watching, and thank you to Livestream for being such a great partner to CXO Talk, go to cxotalk.com and be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe on YouTube. And we'll see you next time, next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Bye bye.